Here we are for another episode of the Hika Works podcast. On again uh, with my friend Mike Brenner. Hopefully we'll get some jokes out of him today. We'll see. Um, but today we're going to be talking about orbital debris and what's been going on. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have heard, but there was a Chinese fuselage that slammed into the moon on March 4th. The thing weighed about 10,000 pounds. And they're mm-hmm. expecting the crater to be a couple hundred feet by a couple hundred feet. Uh, I'm not sure how accurate that is. Might have to fact check that. But anyway, it's pretty interesting. And it, it speaks to a larger issue that uh, a lot of scientists have been talking about lately, uh, including something called the Kessler event or a Kessler event. Mike, do you know what that is? I do not. I, enlighten me, Trevor. Right. So a Kessler event is something that happens in space when you get to a certain number of launches and those launches either fail or run into another RSE and create an amount of space debris that makes it virtually impossible to get a safe launch uh, into you know, the space around Earth. So it's definitely a threat, but I mean, Mike, how do you think the best way for both uh, private and public entities to kind of combat this so that we can you know, continue launching into the near future? Yeah, so um, you can't, you know, you can manage what you can't see. Um, and so I, I think first and foremost, we, we've got to have, you know, visibility into all of these objects. Um, I think we've got to be able to, you know, quickly prioritize and in an ongoing fashion, reprioritize which objects are important to capture. Um, obviously have to have um, mechanisms to, you know, um, I'll say approach and and capture these objects and then move those objects to some type of, you know, foundry or, you know, or, or landfill, whatever we want to call it mm-hmm. uh, in outer space. But yeah, I, I mean, you have to have a, a full um life cycle mapped out from awareness through um through elimination right or or reuse yeah Mm -hmm. so i think it's a it's a substantial problem yeah and i would have to agree and you know as that cycle continues to be as drawn out as as it is it's just going to create more of a problem uh in the future so Mike, we've talked to a lot of interesting people uh, over the last couple months. Um, can you tell me a little bit about you know those people that we're networking with, our partners in the space industry, and and how they're combating orbital debris? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to get started. Whether it's you know whether it's uh, a company like um, Orbital Assembly who is literally building building. Uh, I'm gonna, I know I'm not going to say this right, but factory-like structures, right, um, that that will be used in space for processes like orbital debris removal or or housing housing tools. There's Florida Institute of Technology that they um, certainly a a real disruptive point of view. And, and algorithms surrounding um, swarm navigation and control, right? To actually 
um, acquire an object in space and take control of it. Um, two, two, two completely different things, right? You know, you, you, you know yeah. what you to go get, so go get it and then take control of it. Um, real, real, real radical and again, violently disruptive thinking. Um, there's uh, cislunar, right? It, their, their, their thinking is, you know, it's a foundry based um, ecosystem, right? For orbital debris. And, and of course, guys, this, this debris is highly, you know, these are this, these objects that are being removed are top of the line materials, right? That, that there's value in those materials. Those materials can be reused. And I think it's fantastic from a sustainability perspective. Space is space sustainability, if you can imagine that. Um, I know, what a time, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's just wild. Um, so there, there you go. Yeah, and, and going back to uh, orbital assembly, I think what they do, um, they basically create these structures that are assembled in space if i remember correctly because basically they just send up this uh i guess i don't have a better <laughs> description for it but robot package that can basically unpack and assemble itself and it creates this kind of centrifugal donut shape that will eventually uh be kind of an anti-gravity uh chamber that will be added onto with you know life support systems and uh living area and everything like that so pretty interesting and also what mike said you know storage and also possibly something like a foundry uh that cislunar is doing and cislunar is very interesting because they're not only going to be a foundry in space and when you think foundry let's break that down so foundry is basically uh, a metalworking term and it's just a place where you process metals and recycle metals and stuff uh remove slag and make sure it's it's good to go for any kind of assembling uh that you want to be doing and another really cool thing about them is they've actually found a way. I'm not. I'm not sure how accurate this is. Once again, you guys are probably gonna have to fact check. Um, but they have found a way to basically convert these foundry materials and stuff that they can harvest in space in this Leo low Earth orbit, um, and be able to turn it into like solid state fuel, which could be very very valuable in the long term because that would make whatever foundry that they create basically a stepping stone to the moon and it can fuel any other systems that you know integrate and want to be on board with it and that's something that we're actually uh working on florida tech or working with florida tech on um we'll see if you know the government wants to pick it up or not um but Basically, that system would integrate with the foundry to almost be a proxy FAA. So any systems coming into that foundry or any uh, orbital debris coming into that foundry would be basically guided in by what we call swarm sats, which are swarm satellites, very small satellites that are part of a larger swarm and uh, give anyone operating the foundry more autonomy and more precise control over the materials coming in and out um so that could be very interesting and there's a lot of really cool stuff happening up there but i mean after you know reading those those several articles i sent you mike um about the event that happened with that fuselage crashing into the moon i can't help but think why haven't we been dumping stuff on the moon you know the whole time you want to play devil's advocate on that one 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't answer that other other than to say I, I don't know why we haven't been doing it or, or at least or, or at least leaning into, you know, the overall narrative in, in that fashion as a starting point. I, I, I've, I suspect that some, you know, some thought leader somewhere has has actually rationalized that, you know, the moon would or would not be a good place to, you know, permanently store or temporarily store act as a uh, you know some kind of intermittent port for 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 the debris um mm. but 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 why not i mean it's it's i, I you know it, it's it's certainly there for the choosing right i mean the debris has to go somewhere it has to be you know managed somewhere to be dealt with whether it's you know through a foundry or um you know, a grinder or whatever they're going to do. Um, it, there, there must be a better alternative than just burning, burning an object up in space. I mean, that that seems, um, it seems a little bit early to declare that the law of diminishing returns is in effect, right? So just go burn it up. There, there, I think we're, I think we need to think beyond that. Um, and company like CisLunar obviously is. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And um, for me, it kind of goes back to, I guess, is there an analysis that we can do on fuel usage versus efficiency of, uh, I guess, processing these materials? Because yes, they're in Leo, that's very close to the earth, why not bring it down? Well, because then we'd have to get it back up again unless we're using it in normal industry. But with these high-quality materials, like you mentioned, why would we do that? If they're just going to go back into space systems, why not build it in space? So that's another reason Cislunar is awesome. But, I mean, all that material up, all that material up there, it's just going to continue to accumulate, right, if we don't do anything soon. So I'm just confused why haven't we been slingshotting these bigger pieces that we can find and and uh, eventually reprocess? Just sling them on a collision path to the moon, forget about it. We clear up our kind of low Earth orbit in the meantime, and then we still have that available to come back to um, in the future. But who knows? We'll see. This is all speculation. We can't do anything until NASA or any of the big guys do. I mean... So there's probably a an entire series of conversations, podcasts on on that question that you just asked, Trevor. You know, it, it's it, it's it's enormous. So if you so if you think for a minute, going back to you know what what you suggested, cis lunar's really doing, right? They're going to break down these materials into some into some type of of fuel. Right. And, and that fuel can be used to um, obviously create energy. So and, and by the way, who wouldn't like to be the the energy provider to a power grid? Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that that is a that that's a great position to be in. Um, and, and then you need, you know, how how does that power get to how does that power get distributed? How does that distribution network um, evolve? Um, where does it go? Um, who's you, you know what kind of markets 
um, are, are consuming that uh, distributed power? Um, who, who are those? Um, the, the, the consumers of that distributed power, who are their customers? What, 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 you know, supply chains and marketplaces are, 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 are consuming the energy. I, I, I've got to think it, it looks a little bit like what we're doing here. Um, obviously it'll take, you know, a year or two to get, <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek, obviously it'll take some time to get there, but, um, I think we understand what the potential for power distribution um, could mean for um, outer space. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of crazy, interesting stuff going on uh, these days. Um, would you ever live on the moon? <laughs> um, well, if 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 Royal Caribbean uh, <laughs> crew is coming up. There. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I would want to live on the moon. I'm kind of a homebody myself. I, I but I, I'd certainly, um, I'd consider a, a, a vacation. Yeah, a little moon there's, cruise. I, I, there's plenty of places on Earth that I have that I'd like to visit that I haven't yet. So, <laughs> yeah, same here. That'd be an interesting one, though. Yeah, come come up with that for us, Bezos. Give us a moon cruise. Yeah, do they have do they have cable t TV and the internet up there? I, I mean, how would how would I check my email? How would I, I how would I do this podcast if I was vacationing from the moon, Trevor? I can do all, <laughs> do all that. Very on latent connection, but yeah, I get I get what you're saying. Can't really get your favorite Netflix shows up there yet. Yeah. So creature but, creature comforts aside, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I I, I think I'd I'd consider that maybe maybe a weekend camping trip, you know, glamping. Yeah, there you go, there you go. That would that would probably be it though, because I feel like day to day on the moon, not so great, not so great. So we'll we'll leave it to the people that actually want to be up there. I'm I'm very comfortable here as well, so no no Mars or Moon expedition for me. What about what about what about you? What about you and Jeannie? You think you'd do a you know, I know the the slopes are just killer right now out west. Uh, you know, but once you get into springtime, would you be willing to spend a weekend, you know, on the moon? Oh heck yeah! If it was just a weekend, <laughs> give me some moon rocks, something like that. Maybe maybe find a moon pie somewhere. Those things uh, have a forever shelf life. I think I think they'd survive. Um, all right, guys, I think that's gonna round it out for today. Uh, we're gonna try to get back on next week and kind of pick up this uh, conversation Mike and I were having, but somebody with a, a, a little more knowledge. So we're attempting to get Marcus Wild, who's actually the director of the Orion Lab at Florida Tech on. And we've been working pretty closely with him, sent a couple proposals out, waiting to hear back. Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll just catch you guys next week or whenever I can <laughs> finally get some time for Marcus. Trevor, thanks a lot. Have a good, have a good weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Have a good one, everyone.